Hello everyone, welcome to the newest episode of the Leap Takers podcast. Today we have a bit of a special episode since I have two guests at once on the show, which is a first. So you might ask, who am I interviewing today? My guests are Sebastian Wahl and Carl Philipp von Polheim. They are the founders of MyBax. So you might think, my what? Let me explain. MyBax is a D2C research-driven biotech company for gut health products, and they're based in Zug, Switzerland. The company's focus is on products that target the human microbiome to improve well-being. And they have two types of products, like a travel product and the daily well-being probiotic product that is tailored to your individual needs. So for example, if you're going to South America, they have a product that helps you or your gut to adjust beforehand to the local bacteria in the food. I thought this was quite cool and I don't have any affiliation or sponsorship from MyBax, but I just thought they're great guys. They have a cool product and I wanted to learn more. I believe MyBax is on a good track to become something big. And they also received seed funding round last summer from Global Founders Capital, which is the VC firm that was founded by Oliver Sumber. And I believe overall there's a lot to learn in this episode, especially if you're interested in the direct-to-consumer B2C space. We talk a lot about how to get started in this industry, how to manufacture product, etc. Before we get started, I wanted to share a quick quote or line of advice with you that I came across lately. Here we go. Don't be afraid to say your true point of view, even if it's in disagreement with your boss. I don't care if it's Mark Andreessen or Ben Horowitz or anyone who is extremely famous or well accomplished who disagrees with me. I'm very willing to share my point of view. This is a quote of Connie Chan, a partner at the very well-known VC firm Andreessen Horowitz. I believe this quote has a lot of truth to it and this might be a good New Year's resolution for all of you as well. I know, for example, that for myself, I should definitely work on that to be more outspoken about my true point of view. So having said that, please enjoy this interview with Sebastian and Carl Philipp. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Leap Takers podcast. And hi to Sebastian and Carl that are here with me today from MyVax. So thanks for coming on the podcast, guys. And I'm excited that you could make the time because I really enjoyed um, your product when I first heard about it and thought it was thanks. a really cool concept. So yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for inviting us. We're very happy to be here today and uh, looking forward to the next 30 to 45 minutes. Cool. Yeah, me too. And I think the great place to start would be just to learn a bit more about how you would describe what you're doing right now with MyVax. Like how would you introduce yourself to someone at a cocktail party and what are you doing right now? Okay, sure. My name is Carl and I'm the co-founder of MyVax. So originally I don't have a pharmaceutical or medical background. I studied business, uh, worked in finance, then worked for a startup, which is also focused on the financial industry. And um, Sebastian and I know each other from school. And then he came over and he approached me with the idea to do something in the region of the human microbiome. And I really liked the idea. And when we were younger, we always talked about founding a company together. And then this was the right moment. Yeah, then thanks again also from my side for inviting us for the podcast. It's a very nice opportunity to talk a bit about our company. And as Carl Philip said, yes, we are a company that deals with the human microbiome and are developing therapeutic solutions for the human microbiome in various different areas. As, as like a, an overall description mm -hmm. of our company. I would like to kick this off with learning a bit more about the origin story of MyBax and how you developed the idea first. 
yeah was there any story behind this how you came up with the concept yeah yeah, yeah. actually there is so car flip and me we did a lot of traveling also uh, traveled through south america for a couple of months together and what we always had issues with different foods in different countries we traveled to and had problems with our intestine and our reaction to the food in different countries and after we did some more digging into that and we thought well why does that happen and the problem is that there's so many different pathogens that are everywhere around you uh, all over the world and these foodborne pathogens get into your system and then can accumulate in the intestine and cause traveler's diarrhea so we thought what is there to do because right now there's like two different solutions to that you could either take imodium that just gives you constipation and you still have the pathogens in your intestine or you take antibiotics that just kill every bacteria in your intestine and then also the good bacteria uh, which you obviously also don't want so is there a, a natural way to prevent traveler's diarrhea and what we did is we did some looking into probiotics so as to give good bacteria to your intestine that prevents the pathogenic bacteria in these different countries to uh, get into your system and accumulate in your intestine and then cause traveler's diarrhea as, as a natural way to prevent that disease that was like the first thing that we thought of and we're like why is no one doing this why is no one going into this field and uh, we then from that point went on and developed the products to be a regionally specific product and then also to go into this whole field of the microbiome which is a huge field with a lot of research being done right now a lot of interest by customers and where we think that we have a good place to to develop something as a new company that is very transparent with other ingredients and how they come about and other other strategies with all the the research we cite on our website for example that is done on the microbiome to give the, the consumers the the best product we can mm -hmm. yeah that sounds great and was this still during your studies when you came up with this idea i don't know about your background if you started working in a corporate before or if you... Yeah, so, so maybe a little bit about our background. I myself uh, studied pharmaceutical sciences here in, in, in Zurich at ETH. And also during my studies, I, I did some deeper diving into the topic of my, the microbiome because I was really, really fascinated uh, by, by this topic. And uh, yeah, I have some work experience in uh, strategy consulting and in, in venture capital a bit. And then in, in 2018, yeah, I was ready to start my business. Yeah, as I previously mentioned, I worked in, in finance and investment banking, private equity, and then for a fintech startup. And uh, yes, as I said, Sebastian approached me with the idea, and then there was all this cons rising consumer awareness uh, about the gut microbiome and what effect the microbiome has on your whole overall well-being, uh, what diseases it can link to, for example, depression, cancer, and so on. And then we both knew, okay, this is the right the right timing, and if not now, uh, when should we do it? So yes, that was one and a half years ago. And Walk me through how this went about. So did you both quit your jobs or did you start working on this on the side first? And how did you go about it? Like, did you set up a company immediately? Did you do some market testing? Yeah. Maybe if you can share a bit about this so, first. So uh, it was actually actually pretty abrupt that we started. It was after, so we traveled to uh, South America together where we further looked into this topic and knew that we wanted to do something. And after that, we uh, both finished uh, universities, had no job. We're, we're actually about to start different jobs. 
But then uh, it took a month of time in, in, in my basement, actually, where we did a lot of research on what is the market like uh, right now in this field? Um, what are the possibilities? How big is the market potentially as well? Is it even worth uh, starting a company there? Is that something that investors are interested in as well? And there were a lot of thoughts we put into and a lot of research we put into before we actually then made the decision to start a company and go for it. Exactly. So there were many ups and downs, especially in the beginning. And there were so many days when we thought, okay, we, we, we're not going to proceed. And then there were many days where we thought, okay, this, this can be a big company. And uh, yeah, it took about three to four months after we did all the business planning or the, the, we prepared a pitch deck. We talked to many investors, conducted customer interviews, which is absolutely crucial to see if there's market potential. And uh, yes, and then we incorporated the company. And when you did this market testing or customer interviews, I can imagine that in Europe or in Switzerland, there is not that much awareness here yet about microbiome and about probiotics compared to maybe the US or other countries. So how was your yes. experience? So that's absolutely true. The market in the US is, is way bigger than in uh, the GSA region, for example, and also in Europe. But there are many triggers, such as uh, journalists who wrote about the effects of the microbiome on the overall well-being. Then there were books uh, released. It's called Darm uh, mit Charm. It's a German book, and um, this caused a lot of awareness. And even though the market size is smaller than in the U.S., there is a market which is growing at kegers from 7% to 10% every year. And so right now there's a good timing to go into this market because current players are very old fashioned, especially in their marketing activities, in their distribution channels. And the market was really ready to disrupt. And uh, that's what uh, we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And about the U.S., so we right from the beginning, we thought about actually starting the company in the U.S., which is not that easy if you're not a U.S. citizen. But in mid-2020, we plan to launch there. And you're right now mainly in Germany and in Switzerland. Exactly. So we commute between uh, Zurich or Zug and, and uh, Munich. And um, yes, we have the whole production and the logistics is all in Germany. Cool. And you mentioned production. This is also a topic I was very curious about because... I know quite a lot of people who want to maybe start a startup or manufacture a physical product, but then it's really hard how do you get started if you have no experience with manufacturing a, mm, a product. Sure. How did you approach this? Like, I have actually no idea how you would do it to really manufacture physical product, especially in this space. Yeah. It must be even more complex than just a food product. It's very, very complex. And the, the thing is, and that, that's something that you realize early is that for everything, there's specialists as well. So you're not the one that is going to physically mix the product or, or going to grow the bacterial cultures and so on. But there's specialists that have been doing this for, for a long time that are going to help you on every step so that For example, the bacterial cultures, there's, there's specialists that did all the studies with the bacterial culture and so on where you buy them. And then you have different manufacturers that are very specialized in the mixing of the products and the, the capsulation and then the filling into boxes and so on. It's something that you're planning together with other people that are helping your startup because they are basically your contract manufacturers that you have a contract with and that do the manufacturing for you. It's not like you would need to have every expertise of every person inside the supply chain right away. And okay. then, I mean, that is, and taking care of your own production, having your own facilities and so on is something for a company that, that is growing and, and is definitely a lot larger than our companies. But right now, working with contract manufacturers is, is the way to go. So, like as a recommendation for another startup, you would probably say, 
get an idea of the supply chain and then reach out to potential partners along the supply in, in, chain. In, exactly. So um, then you have to do a lot of research on um, and evaluation, a lot of calls with different possible manufacturers and so on along your supply chain and, and people that, that want to work with you or could work with you and, and just choose the, the correct partners also on the, on the one hand that allow you to have smaller batches in the beginning but then also can have larger batches once you grow because you don't want to switch contract manufacturers or something that is a very, very um, cumbersome process. Just make sure everything's right and then start the production. And how long did it take you to get from, let's say, the idea to shipping your first product to your first customer? So, so the, the moment we really started put, uh, doing research was like June 2018 was when we really put effort in and, and said, okay, we're, we're going to do the whole market research. We're going to, we're going to and, and, and focus on that. I think we, we, you know, in the winter, uh, before we, we actually oh, yeah, sit yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. But then we had a little break. And yeah. Then, then we had a little again, break, yeah. uh, because of other reasons. Yeah. And then we traveled together and then we, yeah. Yeah. So in, in the beginning of February, we shipped our first products. So that of was like 2019 of 2019. 2019 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now looking at assembling the team, so you two already knew each other. Did you already hire more people now in yes. the team? And how big are you? So we are 15 people now, which is the team mainly consists of product operations and marketing. So mm. marketing has really, our marketing team has really grown in the past month. And what we really saw is after we raised capital, obviously there's more, there's more inbound of people who want to work at your company. And after we hired marketing specialists, all the unit economics and everything was really improving and it really gave a push to the company overall. And what were your thoughts on hiring or assembling the right team, especially yes. in maybe a space that is relatively new like this? Exactly. So on the one hand, we need to have people who understand the product because it's not as easy as many other uh, startups products are. So we have medical doctors in our team and pharmaceutical scientists. And on the other hand, we you need to have marketing people who really understand the D2C market, which pretty it emerged during the past years and there were many companies and now we launched a subscription model and it's not that easy, but people who have done marketing for a D2C company, really the guys to go for. And the product guys really have to teach the marketing guys how the products work and then you've got good synergies and can build up the company. And when you mentioned you also hired some experienced people with, with a background in yeah. pharmaceuticals, how you, do you incentivize people to come to a startup? Yeah, that's, that's not that <laughs> It easy. might be tricky, right? Yeah, of course, you can work with different methods. You can have like a partially fixed salary and partially variable salary that is bounded to successes in the future. And obviously, you have the possibility to give them an employee stock option plan and so that they get virtual shares and participate in the, in the company's exit if one occurs. You also mentioned uh, investors before. So I think you got a, a round from Global Founders Capital. Yeah. And were you planning from the beginning to raise outside capital from VC? Or what were your thoughts about scaling up the company and financing or funding the company? What we really wanted to do is, or what we still want to do, is building up a big company. And if you only have angel funding, it gets hard at some point to build up a big company because we need intensive marketing activities and they obviously cost a lot of money. Then we need to finance our production and everything and this costs a lot of money. 
And when we thought it's better to have a, a venture capital fund early in your company, because then it's getting easier to raise further rounds. Because if you only have angels in your company, it's getting harder and harder and harder to raise further rounds. And at some point, they don't have the financial capabilities to finance a round. And, um, and yes, uh, that's where we went for the And, and your cap funding. table gets very, very crowded very soon. And it just yeah. makes everything a lot more difficult. Yeah, I fully agree. And also, I think having a VC on board early on can help you with yes, introductions exactly. later. Yeah. To Especially so where, where Rocket or Global Founders Capital is, is, is assisting us a lot is, um, is talent which is absolutely crucial. They have a huge network of all their different companies uh, with people who are very experienced, especially in the D2C market and in preceding fundraising rounds. They're also assisting a lot. And if people see or other funds see that Global Finance Capital is, uh, is invested, obviously it has a signaling effect. And yeah, that's pretty good. Do you have any tips for other aspiring entrepreneurs, how you approach fundraising? Because I mean, Global Finance Capital is quite a well-known VC. Yeah. So... Yeah, any insights or tips for others for fundraising? So never be too needy. And obviously you will get lots of rejections, especially in the beginning when you're raising on a pitch deck and if you haven't founded a company before. But that's absolutely normal. There will be so many people that say your company is going to fail and don't get demotivated by this. And also be cautious. Don't take any offer. Like uh, really read the documents and... If they really want to invest in your company, you also have some bargaining power. So try to play that well. And also what I think is very important to go to the important conferences and in, in Europe, especially like, like the NOAA conference in Berlin or London. Um, and what is there? Slush. And also even the student conferences like uh, Start Summit in St. Gallen uh, is a very nice conference to get your company out there and then actually have a lot of investors look at your company and, and just not fail to raise money because people have never heard of your company. That shouldn't be the reason you don't get funding. So, for example, we raised with a GFC, I think, right after the NOAA conference. Yeah. And you met them there or you already had contact? Um, no, but we were invited to, to pitch, uh, to do the startup pitch there. And after this, they approached us oh. and they saw our pitch. And that's a good opportunity. Like, as a founder, especially when your company is still young, Try to apply to all those startup competition pitches because people people will see you. And as Sebastian already said, it helps you to get your company out there. Yeah, great points here. And changing the topic a little bit away from fundraising to more the general D2C market, you mentioned it a few times. I'm a big fan of uh, direct-to-consumer and I think it's a big rise in the last few years. I mm -hmm. think it's only coming more and more to Europe now. I think in the US it's quite established and a lot of exciting companies have, uh, are now in the space. So what is your view on D2C? Why did you pick this, this model? And where do you see the advantages of it? Sure. Uh, so one great thing about D2C is, especially when you're selling through your own web shop and you have all your analytics and in today's world, you get lots of data, you really start to understand your customer. You have a personal touch point with your customer, you know you can collect customer feedback quite easily and you really know how your customer works. And that's obviously an advantage because we, we have both sides. We have the D2C uh, subscription model and some D2C for our travel product, but we also sell our travel product through pharmacies. So we really have the comparison and what we see, especially when selling through the pharma wholesalers, it's very hard 
to getting you to know your customer because they sell your products to the pharmacy and you don't know who buys the product in the end. Maybe you can do analyses when you're way bigger and have more capital to look at those factors, but it's not possible for a company of our size. And uh, that's why we really like the D2C market. And the only way that your company succeeds if you understand your customer and develop your company accordingly. So really see your company as a continuous learning process. Mm -hmm. I guess it's also a bit easier to get started in the D2C space. Also, you can quite easily set up an online shop nowadays. Yeah. And I don't know how you did it. Did you have any tools or providers that you used that made it easier for you? To set up the, the web shop? Yeah, for example. So, or so I, yeah, our, our web shop is running on Shopify, which was an, an, an awesome tool to get started with because it is very simple in the beginning on how to use it. Also, our products weren't that complex and how we had to show them and so on. So we need a very simple web shop with just a lot of information to explain our products and so on. And we work with, with external web developers on that. I mean, what's nice about Shopify, but I guess is, is the same for, for WooCommerce and uh, there's so many shopware and yeah, so many, there's so many of these, and, yeah. these companies. Yeah. Is that they have so many integrations so that just right away you integrate Google Analytics, uh, Facebook Pixel and so on that, that you can track everything and, and, and so many, so many different tools like a translate tool and so on for, for a multi-language website. And that makes it very easy to, to get started. And the, the problem now was one, once the, the web shop gets more and more complex, now also with the subscription model, for example, it gets more difficult and difficult to work with these out-of-the-box systems like Shopify. And that's a point where we're at right now is thinking of uh, going to a completely personalized or built uh, a web shop by maybe Magento or something that just gives you much more flexibility on, on how you design and work with your web shop. To start with, Shopify is, is a great tool. Also, the, the back end was very, very simple. It integrates with a lot of the logistics partners and so on. So that was easy to work with. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how did you think about shipping the product? Is it just like in the last step of the supply chain, you work with a distribution center or how do how yeah. you handle that? So, yeah, right now, uh, as it is right now, we, we have something different planned than for the future. But, but as it is right now, we have one distribution center in, uh, in Germany that has an integration into our, our access to our Shopify backend. So as soon as an order comes in, they see that order, uh, work off the order, send it out, and then uh, automatically fulfill the order. So we have nothing to do with that anymore. So there's no room for, for errors or anything. Yeah. That's cool. So you can kind of automate this part. Absolutely. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you also have to track everything because you, you always have to see where did those packages go and so on. Did everything work well? Did they pack everything correctly? Um, and do, do you have enough inventory and so on? There's still a lot of checking you have to do. Mm -hmm. But at least this process is very streamlined now and, and has, has no room for errors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, which company are you working with for the shipping? Right now we're working with the Fasant Manufaktur. Yeah, because I, I once looked a little bit into that and I found it, at least in Switzerland, hard to find. It is very difficult. And, and that's something, because we have a lot of Swiss customers now mm -hmm. and, and sending from Germany to Switzerland is very, very not, not difficult, but tedious. And it is, there's, because you have to fill out these solid forms and so on. And it just takes a lot of time and, and, and also costs a lot of money. So we're thinking of, of, of having a logistics partner here in Switzerland and our search has been pretty difficult so far because it is very expensive here. And now you already talked a bit about your tips and uh, what you're using at MyBax. Are there any other resources or tools or books that you found very helpful for building up the company? Yeah. So generally, you really need to read a lot and stay up to date. Apart from books, uh, welcome to later, but... 
websites like TechCrunch, for example, Gründerszene, and all those podcasts really help you to stay up to date and to understand how the market works because in, in today's world it changes so frequently. And apart from that, I read the obvious books like, for example, The Lean Startup, The $100 Startup, and those are great things. But I think the biggest uh, takeaway is to always stay up to date and really know how the market evolves. And also the congresses we went to always help a lot, stay in touch. Yeah, yeah staying in touch with other founders yeah. as well, because the, 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 the whole space changes so fast that it's, that it's very important that you, you, you stay in touch with other people in the same field, same area, about new learnings they had and, and things they saw change uh, over time and so on. That That's very important. Mm-hmm. And now with MyBags, what is your vision? Where are you going with this company? So we really th- uh, see our products as international, so they can they can be sold globally. And that's why we, we're going to expand to some more European countries in the beginning of 2020, so just six weeks from now. That's all set up and can be started. And as I said, in mid-2020, we plan to go to the United States and uh, sell our products there because... As already mentioned, the market is way bigger. And yes, and that's also accordingly to how many people we want to hire. So there are eight more people coming in the beginning of 2020. And yes, our vision is to, to build a global research-driven D2C brand, which is focused on, on the human microbiome and gut health products. Mm-hmm. And maybe one more exciting thing is that in the beginning of 2020, we're going to launch an application for iOS and, and Android, which helps people who are in our subscription to track their progress. And we're very excited about that because that gives people a, a tool to actually track on how, how well they're doing with our product and to see whether it makes a difference and so on. Because sometimes if you don't track something, it's, it's very difficult to tell afterwards, did I really feel different uh, than I did before? And with uh, verified questions that we worked on with the medical doctors to actually assess What is the use of our product and do people feel a difference is, is very important to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also then to use this tool to give people a more and more personalized approach to also further supplements that are, that are useful for their diet and how their whole behavior is and, and their activities they do and so on, what might be important to them. Yeah, I think there's also quite a lot happening in this personalized supplement space. There's a few companies that maybe yeah, I think yeah, also yeah. based on your blood work or something they give you personalized supplements yeah 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 i mean this is the trend in in medicine right now these more and more personalized approach for for everything they do yeah and where do you see which of your product is the most favorite one of the customers so far it depends a bit they actually two different markets for the travel product obviously you you have the customer like once or twice a year when he travels to those high-risk travelers area regions And uh, the other product is really focused on daily well-being. So obviously the market for our daily bags is way bigger than for the travel bags. But what we really saw, we love our travel product because it's so innovative and there's absolutely no other product in the market. And customers really like the travel product because of this ingenuity. And uh, we really saw a huge spillover because we launched the travel product first and then many of our existing customers They were happy with the travel product and so uh, it helped uh, me during my travels. And now I should try the daily bags for my overall well-being and for my daily gut health. Cool. And when, when I use the travel product, for example, how much in advance would I need to use it just for the listener to understand? So yeah. usually we recommend to start on your first day of traveling. Okay. When you get into the airplane, you should start for the first 
five days of traveling and then the bacteria settles in your gut can grow through, uh, through the inulin we have in it and uh, then you will be protected for the rest of your journey amazing very cool yeah thanks already for sharing all of that information i would now like to switch gears a little bit to just get to know you a bit better as, sure. as uh, people and founders of this company so I always like to ask the guests what their favorite knowledge resources and books are, for example. It does not need to be entrepreneurship related. Okay. I think both of us watch a lot of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, I mean, right, right now there's so much good content on YouTube and, and so many actually very professional channels as well that you can watch. Yes. Uh, I really use YouTube not yeah. essentially for entrepreneurial uh, stuff, but more to broaden my mind and uh, to example channels like Real Engineering. Mm -hmm. and uh, went over productions really tackle issues which you always wanted to know more about but don't really read about it and uh, then it's always good to to watch those small videos and then i like basically every day i listen to podcasts most of them are entrepreneurial focused but uh, some of them not and uh, books depends if you have time to read a book i really think i'm going on holiday now for five days and i really plan to read a book there But in the in the daily life, it's really getting harder because you come out of the office at like midnight and then you have like 45 minutes or so until you get to sleep. And then it's getting harder to really get into a book. Yeah, yeah fully understood. Uh -huh. <laughs> Do you have any favorite books, Sebastian? Um, I myself, as, as Carl Philip mentioned, very useful for maybe before you start a startup is, is the $100 startup or the startup. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great, okay. great books. When you're not working on my backs, do you have any interesting hobbies or unusual yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you do in your free time to decompress from the stressful yeah. startup life? Yeah, I have one huge hobby that's uh, football, or soccer, um, uh, playing and watching both of it. And uh, yeah, that's that's my big thing. That's like, your I favorite watch, club? Uh, FC Bayern Munich. Okay. So. <laughs> 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 I hope I won't get unpopular now. But, <laughs> but uh, yes, it's, it's my favorite club. I watch every game and also play a lot of football myself I, I love the mountains I, I love skiing in winter and uh, and hiking in the, in the summer yeah yeah, yeah it's fun it's a great place yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and do you now looking back since you started the company is there anything you have that you would do different so overall you always expect that everything goes very fast and everything takes longer than expected starting with fundraising Hiring takes so much of your time. Then what we underestimated a bit in the beginning is how important the team is for the success of a company. And it's the crucial factor, the most important factor for, for every company. If your team is good your, your, and your product is not shitty, your, your company will succeed. And one more thing is don't underestimate administrative work. So especially as a founder in the beginning, when you have somebody who's like an office manager, for example, who does all the administrative uh, stuff, it's, it takes lots of time and don't underestimate it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Apart from my backs, any career advice to someone, you know, in their early 20s or that is now finishing their bachelor or master's degree, someone who, who might be interested in doing the entrepreneurship route? So, well, obviously do it <laughs> if you're interested in it and don't go for the money because mm -hmm. there's so many friends of mine who really went for the money. They're focused on the money that they lose the actual focus on their actual work and i think that's a very hard model to succeed so if you're good at something and you have fun at something and you really 
like getting up in the morning, uh, the money will come eventually. Especially look at what you have fun at. And um, if this is founding a company, then do it. And if you can assemble the right team and there's a market for it, rather do it earlier than, than later in your life. Yeah, also, if, if your company is something that helps people and makes the, the world a little better place than it was the day before or, or the year before or 10 years before, then definitely do it because that, that's what lets you sleep at night, right? To think you actually made a difference in, in this world. Mm -hmm. My last question is uh, related to the name of this podcast, the Leap Takers podcast. So what does courage mean to you related to entrepreneurship or in life in general? Generally, be fair, especially when you're a founder, be fair to your uh, team members, to your team in general. Assist others, especially when they're new on the job and when they're new on, on, uh, on the topic and they maybe don't know the product so well, as it was in our case. It really takes some time. And yes, I would say, to, to put it in a nutshell, to assist others and to look after your team and your customers, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and also courage for me. Don't be afraid to say something or speak up if you say if you think there's there's injustice or anything going wrong or so on. Open your mouth and and say what you think, and don't let others rule over what what your thoughts are. Especially when you're getting anything, any, a new task, for example, from your boss, you always have to to question this task because if you just will execute what he's told you to it won't necessarily be the best because maybe he told you something wrong. You really need to question everything and speak up if you think it's not right. Mm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Question everything is a very valuable concept to have. In and I mean, that's what makes a startup, right? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, exactly. A startup <laughs> questions what is uh, the status quo or what is being done now and tries to change something. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, guys, for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Great time, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any last words or anything you wanted to share to the audience before we wrap up? Well, stay tuned for 2020. Um, <laughs> many more MyBex products coming. And yes, thanks a lot for today. Cool. Yeah, I'll link to everything that you mentioned in the show notes as well. And then good luck to you and your journey of MyBex. Thank, thank you. you so thank much. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. You could do me a really big favor if you quickly head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and give the Leap Takers podcast a five-star rating. This would really help me to get more visible and that I'll be able to continuously bring on great guests to this show. So thank you very much. In addition, I'm also happy about any type of feedback that you might have or ideas for future guests and the questions you would like me to ask them. So if you have any ideas, just shoot me a message. You can find all my podcast episodes as well as my contact details on leaptakers.com or you can also just follow me on Twitter and Instagram where you should be able to find me under Remo Keyboards. Next to the podcast, I also started writing some blog posts on the Leaptakers website. So there I write about various topics, be it about investing, entrepreneurship, traveling, or just some new cool products that I tried. It's all there. So check it out if you like. Having said that, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Stay curious and I hope to catch you next time. Bye-bye.